You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Welcome to the newest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest hailing from University of Rochester's Sports Residency Program. His name is Carolus, a.k.a. Kiro. Kiro, welcome in. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, and what got you into PT in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So I am... A New Jersey native. I went to Rutgers University for my undergrad. I studied exercise science and psychology. Uh, graduated from there and then went on to the University of Minnesota. So went to the wild Midwest. Um, suffered a bunch of brutal winters over there. I was there for PT school. And now I'm at the University of Rochester Medical Center in New York. And I'm doing my sports residency. So what in, speci- uh, what in particular drew you to University of Rochester's res- residency program? Yeah, so when I was applying for residencies altogether, this was in my second year, um, I really was an open book to anything. Um, There were some goals that I wanted to keep in mind, um, so I wanted that to fit the program's curriculum, Um, and I applied to those that really I had a chance to talk to their program directors or past residents. Um, One thing that really was good about the University of Rochester was the exposure to different levels of sport. So... um, not only high school, but the opportunity to do some college and professional as well. Because when I talked to past residents, they said they had the opportunity to go to a Bills camp um, and some other opportunities that were out there. So that really drew me there, as well as it being just geographically close to where I wanted to end up being at the end. Rewinding it back even further, when did you realize you wanted to become a sports physical therapist rather than just your general orthopedic therapist? Yeah. So... I just realized right now that I forgot to answer that that first question where you were like, why did you want to get into PT in the first place? So in high school, I took anatomy um, and I was like, this is it. This is exactly what I want to do. I want something in the healthcare field. And then when I went into college, um, being born from immigrant parents, the epitome of all professions is to become a physician. So they didn't really push me into becoming a physician, but I was kind of just like pushed there just because of my friends and who I was as an Egyptian and that kind of thing. Um, So I was pursuing becoming a physician or going to medical school. I knew I wanted to go into sports specifically. So I was thinking maybe a sports med doctor, whether that was uh, non-operative or some sort of surgeon. Um, And then once I started to take the prerequisites for it, I realized that this is not the lifestyle that I want to go through. Just tons of years of schooling. And I mean, all props to physicians, but it just wasn't the lifestyle for me. So then after further research and exploring and talking to a bunch of people, and I knew I wanted to do physical therapy itself. Um, And then I knew I wanted to go the sports route for sure. Uh, So in my second year of PT school, I started to explore that a lot more. I shadowed sports physical therapists, people that went through residencies. Um, I went on tours of uh, places that did have residency. um, And I was just, I love the idea of it. And the reason why I went into sports rather than orthopedics was because I love the acute side of things. So the acute management of athletic injuries, 
um, I was an EMT for a bunch of years all throughout college and then um, a little bit even into high school. And I just love that aspect of being able to treat someone acutely. Um, so marrying that aspect of doing that on-field management, the acute management of things into rehab and into sports performance, I knew that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So that's why I went to sports specifically rather than going the ortho route. And I think that's, you know, I've had some limited experience shadowing on-field coverage and that acute side is something I really enjoy. I don't have that much experience with it, um, but I think that's something in PT school that's kind of missing. I wouldn't necessarily say missing because, you know, for PT, it's mostly rehab settings and stuff, but that's something I did enjoy the like kind of thrill of being there in the moment and having to, you know, make a decision right then and there is, is pretty exciting. Um, so now that you're probably more almost done with your residency, considering you said you were done in December, um, how would your view, how would you say your view of sports PT has changed since when you started your residency versus now? Oh man. I mean, the maturity and the growth that has happened within the past couple of months is just absolutely insane. I would say even weekly at this point, I'm just, I'm learning new things about the fields and it just makes me become more passionate and and zealous for the field altogether. Um, So this is kind of an outlier residency because we start with the calendar year. So we start in January and then we end in December. So I'm, I have a couple of months left in my residency to go. Um, But there are so many different things that I am learning. And I mean, not even clinically, just the the communication aspect, the multidisciplinary aspect of things. I'm learning how to communicate with physicians and athletic trainers and with parents. And there's just so much to it rather than just the clinical side of let's test this, let's do this. Um, It's just an all growing field Um, and, and seeing people doing their work, especially athletic trainers and the sports med physicians and the orthopedic surgeons, it's really incredible and humbling to be a part of that. So um, there's definitely something new to learn all the time. Um, I kind of want to, you know, dive a little bit deeper about um, your, the interprofessional work that you do. How, or what do you think is a good characteristic for a PT to have to work well in a interprofessional environment with sports med physicians, with surgeons, with athletic trainers, with strength and conditioning coaches? What are some like, you know, common traits that you've seen to make a successful PT? So I've worked with a ton of people, a ton of people who are a very smart, very communicative. Um, there's, if there are a couple of traits that I can narrow it down to, I would say one is humility, just being an, an open book and saying, I'm not better than the person next to me. And I can learn from, I can learn from anyone. Um, whether that's a patient, whether that's an athletic trainer, whether that's um, a surgeon, um, everyone around you can teach you something. And I think if you have that humility aspect and being an open book to learn whatever, um, that is a great trait to have. Um, at the same time, just communication. Because again, when it comes to the continuum of uh, sports rehab, there are a lot of people that are involved. There's parents, there's coaches, there's uh, performance coaches, there is Uh, the surgeon, there's so many different people that are part of that care. And if you are able to clearly and concisely communicate what you need to them, um, that just makes the outcome for the patient so much better. Um, So um, I've done my absolute best to try to make my communication as clear and concise as possible. Uh, Staying humble, keeping that line of communication open between all avenues, and that's what's best for the patient.
Right. And so that communication, do you think it just comes from repetition and doing it over and over? Or is there any, like, anything in particular that you might be able to practice to try to improve on that? Like with anything, I think communication is one of those things where it's, you have to practice it and you have to be placed in different contexts and talk to different people because that's what you learn from. So one of the biggest things that I'm learning right now during the residency is how to truly reflect on what you've done and what you can do better. Um, So for example, if I go up to a surgeon and I say, hey, these are the isokinetic results um, for a testing that you do for a post-op ACL, for example. Um, If you're unable to go up to that surgeon and say, hey, this is what I found. This is, um, these are the facts. What What are your thoughts on this? You know, at first I wasn't able to do something like that. Um, I was very nervous about it. I didn't really know what to say. Kind of just like I dropped that paper down and I was like, here, here are the results and then kind of fled away. Um, but doing that more and more often. And the good thing about the University of Rochester is that in our main hub, the clinic, uh, we have the orthopedic surgeons and the non-physicians literally right there across across the hall. So we're able to walk over the, those results or if we have a question about um, a certain thing in the documentation or something in their post-op note or whatever it is, um, are able to go up right there and be able to ask those questions right away. So just continuing to do that, being able to reflect on how could I've done this better? How could I've talked to the surgeon better? Or how could I've talked to this athletic trainer better? Um, I think that reflection and feedback within yourself is always helpful. That's something as a new grad, I've been kind of trying to get myself to do is reflect back on like, you know, what could I have done better this week? It was it whether it be intervention wise or diagnosis wise or evaluation wise, or even just like, how do I address, you know, a patient that is acting like this kind of just trying to look back and see what can I improve on in this past week? All right. So kind of moving on, how do you stay evidence-based through while you're practicing? Because I'm sure residency, you kind of get a lot thrown at you. And even if you're not doing a residency, you're practicing at a clinic or even a hospital you're busy doing your day-to-day, your, you know, your 40 hours a week. How do you stay on top of evidence to make sure you're giving the best care to patients? I think that's a great question. So like you're saying, we get a lot in the residency. When I say a lot, it's the analogy that they always give here is that you are drinking out of a fire hose and you are trying to drink as much water as possible. It is a lot, man. There are a lot of readings, a lot of smart people that teach you a lot of really Um, pertinent information, and it's difficult to keep up with. I would say my main way, other than the residency readings that I I keep up with these things, is Twitter. So I I was listening to to Wesley's um, podcast episode the other day, and I think some things that he said on there was social media and using social media to your advantage. I think it's a very, very important thing because what I do is I kind of follow... Uh, the sports gurus, right? So whether that's running, whether that's different niches, I follow those people. And it seems like they have a lot of information. They have a lot of studies. Um, If I'm unable to get to that at a certain moment, I retweet it or I favorite it. Um, I take a screenshot of it, whatever it is, and I try to come back to it later. So Twitter has been really, really important for me. The reason why I only use Twitter rather than Instagram, because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who try Uh, to make it look fancy rather than stick to the fundamentals and the true research of things. So I try to stay away from that and more of, let me get the real information. What does the evidence say? And if I can't even find it there, then that's when I go and I ask and 
um, I, I look for it myself and that kind of thing. But I mean, Twitter, that is lots of information, lots of great information on there. And I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. That's kind of how I've reached out to most people. Um, if I have questions about things, general questions about, you know, being a PT or specifically sports. Um, and that's kind of actually how I found you as well. Um, Twitter usually can be a cesspool for disinformation and arguing and back and forth bickering. But I think sports PT actually does a pretty good job of, you know, here's some information and I'm glad to share it with everybody. And, you know, it's, it's free. I love to say Twitter is a free, a free thing and you can't beat it. Okay. So, you know, now that you're, you know, three quarters of the way through your residency, what's something that you've experienced in that residency that you don't think you would have experienced without it? One of the biggest things that I want to say that I've improved on is my education for patients. So a lot of the times when people come into the clinic, especially those, those Medicare workers, comp, like those people, they are trying to find a quick fix. Just fix me. From people are impatient. Just humankind, they're they're impatient, um, and they just want a quick fix, right? But when you try to preach that this is a lifestyle change, like I am trying to teach you how to fish rather than just giving you the fish myself, that is a very important concept. And over the the course of these past several months, I've really learned how to hone down and communicating with these patients on their level to make them understand what is really going on after a rotator cuff surgery or what is really going on when they have some sort of condition where they have adhesive capsulitis and this might take a while and this is not just that kind of thing. We're just going to go away overnight. When patients understand where they're at, they can work with you to try to fix themselves. But if they have no idea of what just happened, they just had a surgery and they're like, yeah, the surgeon went in there, he cut me open and kind of did things and, and they don't understand what the rehab process is or what the plan of care looks like then it's kind of just like all up in the air. So I try to utilize the 1% rule, which a lot of people use. Um, and that is basically in regards to you try to get better than yourself the day before by 1%. That's all you need to do. Um, some people try to make big leaps and with residency, I'm going to become the most perfect PT. And I know by the end of this residency, I'm not going to be that and I'm nowhere near that. Uh, but I know that I'm paving myself the path that I can get to as best as I can to an evidence-based uh, mature clinician that can really help patients get back to what their goals are. Um, so in just in summary, the education piece has incredibly grown since I first started with this residency. And I think that's advice that can be given to any clinician in any setting making sure that the patient fully understands their diagnosis, fully understand what the rehab process is going to look like for them. Um, because a more informed patient is going to lead to a better feeling patient, better outcomes, and just like lessen the burden that goes onto the patient. So kind of moving on, what to you makes a good sports PT? Passion. Passion. There's sports medicine is one of those fields where a lot of the people, unless you're a physician, you're pretty underpaid for the most part. Um, strength coaches, uh, performance coaches, physical therapists, athletic trainers, they are underpaid, I think, um, in my perspective. 
and they give a lot of their time. I mean, I work with an amazing athletic trainer right now at, at a local high school. And I mean, she will literally, she has, she has three kids. She has a family to worry about, but she'll literally take, um, like if an athlete comes up to her the day before and say, Hey, are you going to be at the training room tomorrow? I need to get my ankle tape. She will literally take time out of her schedule just to go to the high school, just to tape that one athlete's ankle, you know? And there's so much time that is put forth and, and volunteered. And if you don't love it, if you don't love seeing those athletes get at it, then it's just going to be burnout for you. It's just going to be one of those fields where it's just like, oh, I'm doing way too much and there's not much reward and that kind of thing. But you need to understand the the field, the realm of where you're in and that you're trying to help these athletes as best as possible to perform, to rehab, um, to get back into what they were doing before. And that takes a lot of time and commitment. So if you don't truly love the fields, there's that it just goes downhill from there. And along with the the other typical things that a physical therapist needs to have. So a good sports PT needs to be, um, have good communication, needs to be organized, um, needs to understand the needs of certain sports. Um, there's a lot out there, but patients, this is in general, patients don't care how much you know if you don't care at all. So you need to care, you need to put your time in, you need to, they need to trust you. Um, and that's when they're going to do everything that you say, once you build that, that strong rapport with the patients and athletes. I think that's a great answer. Um, in the past couple episodes that I've recorded, I think that has been the answer for that, for that question. What makes a good sports BT is passion. You know, um, you were talking about the athletic trainer that would come in to tape one ankle, um, and, you know, trying to avoid burnout because, if you don't really love it, you're going to get burnt out. So how do you personally stay motivated? Um, you know, when there's the struggles of daily life or residency, or, you know, there's a patient that's, you know, the, one of those patients that you're like, Oh man, I'm not really looking forward to this patient. How do you kind of avoid the, the pitfalls of PT in general? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. I mean, it's the small things. It really is. I mean, when you have athletes that come into the training room or even to the clinic and they're hurt and they're upset. And I mean, this affects like the psyche of an athlete. If you haven't been playing sports all your life and you're a varsity athlete, for example, whether that's in a high school or college or even beyond that, and you're unable to do the thing that you love just because of this injury, it takes a toll on you. I mean, the whole mindset of a person perspective just changes. Um, so doing the small things for patients, going out of your way to try to, keep their head up. Um, it requires a lot from you. Um, but I think keeping up with the small things, like they're, they're small wins within a therapy session or even with, within the course of a couple of therapy sessions. So if they were unable to jump before and now they're able to single leg hop, great. You know, that's a big win. Be happy for them. Um, you know, celebrate those small wins. And I mean, it's not always negative, right? So these athletes, yeah, they come in injured, but I mean, the best feeling in the world. I had an athlete, the first post-op ACL that I worked with from start to finish of my career. Um, he was a D3 uh, college soccer player. Um, and he had, this was a revision um, of an ACLR on one of his knees. Um, and this guy was like devastated that he wasn't able to play, but I worked with him, worked hard. And seeing that, and by the end, 
he was cleared. Um, and I didn't see him that day that he was cleared, but he came in specifically to the clinic and say, Hey, I'm coming in here just to express my gratitude and say, thank you for doing this. And thank you for like staying with me and sticking with me across the way. Um, he wanted to come in, take a picture with me and just express that gratitude. And I mean, I went home and I had the biggest smile on my face for the rest of the day. It was the most gratifying feeling in the world. So those things, those small wins up to those big wins, I mean, celebrate each one of those. And that's a good way to keep your head up. And I think that's, you know, that's great advice because there's going to be days where you just feel downtrodden, you're down by, you know, insurance and paperwork and all that stuff. But what really matters, and I think the reason why we do PT and even specifically sports PT is, seeing those people that come in, you know, like you said, devastated right after injury and then getting them back to that. There's no better feeling than that. So what advice do you have for any aspiring sports PT there? Let's say they're in their first or second year of PT school. They've decided, you know what? I think I want to do sports PT. What advice do you have for them? Great question. So one thing that a piece of advice that I want to give to anyone who is trying to become some sort of uh, rehab professional in the sports medicine world is when I always heard back then, like reflect on your goals, reflect on what you want. What do you want within the sports medicine world? Um, and I kind of took that with a grain of salt and I was like, yeah, sure. Like I like sports. I grew up with sports, that kind of thing. But to become a true matured rehab professional, you really need to understand those goals. And that comes from reflection. Um, so now I'm understanding that reflection piece a little bit more. I was a little naive at first as, as to why I wanted to do this or what my goals were. But now seeing so much being exposed to a lot of sports out there and what people do and what the sports medicine world consists of, um, I'm now truly reflecting on what do I want? What do I want specifically? Um, put Placing objective goals, um, and not just like doing things just because, oh, I like sports, you know, everyone likes sports. That's why there's, they're applying to residencies um, and they're so competitive out there. Um, but you really have to understand of why you're doing it. The why is really, really important. And then after you figure out the why, the how is also important. So if you say, hey, I love the acute management of these athletic injuries, but then you do absolutely no shadowing. You don't go out and shadow athletic trainers or you don't go see sports physical therapists when they're at it, like during some sort of sideline coverage. Um, people see whether that's an employer or a residency program, people see that you're not trying to align your actions with your goals. So figure out your goals first, figure out what you want, and then align your actions with those goals um, to allow for further growth and to, to meet those goals. Instead of just like, oh, whatever, everything is up in the air. Let me just, I like sports residencies or I want SES after my name, right? It's, it's not about that. So you said that, you know, before you were a little bit naive to what those goals were, like how you could actually accomplish them. So how, how would you say it's changed and what were you naive about? So I'm going to be as transparent as possible. In my second year when I was looking to <laughs> apply to sports residencies, um, I had a couple of people who helped me through that path. Um, there was one person specifically. Um, he is a sports physical therapist. He went through residency himself. Um, and he was um, at the staff at the University of Minnesota where I went to PT school at. Um, and I went up to him and I was like, hey, can we sit down and have a conversation of 
like what sports residencies are all about and that kind of thing. Um, so we ended up figuring out an appointment time that worked for the both of us. And then that was, that day was just the end of a very, very long day for me. I mean, I had a lecture in the morning and then I had clinic and then I had some exams to study for. And I, I mean, I had a migraine at the end of that day. So I emailed him at the end of the day and I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm just not feeling well at all. I don't think I can make it today. Can we reschedule? So then he emailed back, me back and I was like, yeah, that's fine. So then when we actually met in person, he kind of told me, he was like, if you're unable to go through a 10 hour day without like having a headache or continuing to move on, how do you think you're going to get through a residency? And that really resonated with me. Right. So I was like, wow, like, I don't know if he's just taking shots at me or he doesn't think I'm able to get into a residency or whatever it is. But I mean, I was, I was like, whoa, like that was, that was fire under my butt. And from then on, I, I had this little part of me, like that little, like 1% that was like, you want to prove these people wrong and that like, you can actually go through it. Um, so I think I was naive in the sense of like, let me just apply to these programs that are like big, big names, just so I can show people that I can do it. Right. I'm not a physician to my Egyptian culture. I'm not a physician, but I can do big things in the PT world. Right. So I was naive in that sense. Um, and then realizing over time that regardless of where you go, it really just matters of what your goals are again, and then what your actions are in order to align with those goals. So I guess if I were to go back and think about the programs that I applied to and why I applied to them, I would kind of take it from a different perspective. Not that I wouldn't apply to them, just I would have taken it in a different perspective as to why specifically. I would have dug a little bit deeper rather than just, I want more mentorship after I finish this in the sports medicine world. So that's that's what I mean by being naive. And that's a, that's a great answer. Um, you know, I'm a pretty competitive person, so I totally get that, you know, wanting to prove something and which is great, you know, wanting to prove someone something to somebody else, but that can't be your sole reason as to why you're doing it. It can be a reason, but it can't be the only thing that's pushing you to a certain goal. All right. So I got one more question for you yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll cut it off for today. Um, walk us through a day in the life of a university of Rochester sports resident, let's say for a home game of some sort of any sport that you that you like to cover so how it works here is that at the university of rochester you have 30 clinic hours and then each of the sports residents is placed at a local high school and they follow that athletic trainer schedule basically um so what happens is that i go to clinic in the morning usually and then two times during the week i go to training room as well for a couple of hours and i'm following the athletic trainer so um, we have a bunch of injuries or some rehab we have to go through or checking on sport practices, and whatever it is. Um, and then, especially now during the fall sports season, I mean, it is nuts. I mean, the trainer that I am following right now, she she covers a lot of the sports and uh, we're doing a lot. So I also follow her game schedule as well. Um, and she has certain priorities. So like varsity football is a priority. Girl soccer is a, f a priority. Boy soccer is a priority. So those sports we always have to follow um and it, it really just depends day to day so like for example like my mondays is a 10 hour day um i'm in the clinic for 10 hours and then tuesdays i'm in the clinic for eight hours wednesdays i'm off but then i have training room in the middle of, of the day and then i have usually have games some sort of game that follows after so i'm out from like 2 30 until 
whatever it is, 8, 9 p.m. Um, sometimes I don't even get home until like 10 p.m. if it goes into overtime, whatever game it is. So they are long days, very long days, especially those days where you're in the clinic and then you're going into the training room. Um, usually there isn't some sort of like game without clinic unless it's on a Saturday. Um, and that's really the only day that we have no clinic at and I'm doing something else. But there's also many other opportunities that you can do. Like, for example, on Saturdays now during the fall sports season, um, there's an urgent care clinic that I shadow right now where we go into the, the sports medicine, whether it's a non-op or an operative doctor. And for three hours, they just take care of athletes that were injured Friday night or Thursday night or whatever it was. Um, and our athlete, athletes specifically. All right. Well, I think that's a great in-depth look of, you know, kind of what a day in the life is for you. Um, Kiro, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Instagram, Twitter, whatever you'd like? Um, I just want to say thank you. I'm really humbled by this opportunity. I mean, I heard some of the names that are going to be on this podcast, and I am very low on the totem pole compared to these people, so I'm very humbled and, and thankful for the opportunity that you had me come on to this podcast. Um, in terms of Twitter, um, you can reach me at Carolus underscore DPT. Um, actually me and my fiance, who's also in physical therapy school right now, uh, we started this new Instagram account at ck.wellness. Um, and basically it's just a, a wellness account that surrounds PT evidence-based care. Um, it's more for lay people rather than, um, physical therapists and to improve their clinical practice. Um, but it's definitely something that's up and coming and we hope that something comes out of it. So please give us a, a shout out, a follow, let us know what you want to hear and yeah. All right. I will make sure to include those links in the description below. Again, Kiro, thank you for your time. We really appreciate everything. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Kiro for coming on the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider like and subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts.